Good afternoon, everyone. My name is Noel. I'm one of the elders here at Well of Life, and it's a joy and a privilege to bring you God's word today. Since the creation of the world, one thing is clear that God has given us the choice to choose. And sometimes we don't choose the right thing due to our sin. Now, let's be honest. As we walk through the journey of life, we experience ungodly desires come up due to various reasons. The other day, my wife and I were driving on this church road to come to work. And there was this gentleman driving ahead of us between the two lanes, weirdly. So I overtook the car just to go ahead and be on my way. Now this gentleman thought I crossed him intentionally to challenge him. So he comes ahead and cut us rashly. Then I started driving out of anger to get near his car and speak to him. <laughs> Let me pause here and ask you a question. When did you think I got angry? When he cut us. <laughs> Actually, I was angry before that on something else. But here's the thing, it doesn't matter. Even though I was angry on something else, it really doesn't matter. Even if that guy was driving weirdly, it doesn't matter. Because anger was lurking behind the curtain of my heart and it almost got the better of me that day. Just as I was about to reach near his car, bring my wife's side of the glass down and speak to him, my wife says to me, what's the point? Let it go. So I did let it go. And then a few minutes later, the Lord said to me, Noel, what are you going to do with this anger? Let it go. Friends, we're on this journey with God where the enemy comes like that car to tempt us along the way. And he chooses places and moments where we fall weak. But every time in those weak moments we choose the way of the Lord, we master the temptation to not sin and do not deviate from God's way. James says, human anger does not produce the righteousness God desires. And if anything does not produce the righteousness God desires, then it's sin. In Hebrew, sin is called khata, meaning missing the mark. But what is the mark? We are created in the image of God. He is our goal, our mark. We ought to live a life that is pleasing to Him and His nature and His commands for us. Sin is not just committing wrongful acts as for human standards. It's our mistaken belief that our bad choices that go against God's honor and will are virtuous, justified, or can be hidden. Now, I could easily shape the story in my favor, pitched it to you for the preach, and all of you would have been like, of course, Noel. And I would have been like, if only he didn't cut me. You see, the thing is, if something unrighteous comes out of us, that means it's been living inside, and it needs to be dealt with. Friends, you and I have the choice to choose. We are free agents. We can choose whatever we want, but we need to ask ourselves if our choices are producing the righteousness God desires. The title of my preach today is The Choice is Yours. Sin entered humanity when man chose to disobey God and his commands. We see the first murder in the Bible take place when man chose to make the same mistake again. Let's open our Bibles and read from Genesis chapter 4. We'll read just one verse, verse 7, where the first murder is about to take place. God says to Cain, If you do what is right, will you not be accepted? But if you do not do what is right, then watch out. Sin is crouching at your door. Its desire is to have you, but you must rule over it. Genesis 4 tells us that Adam and Eve had their first two children, Cain and Abel. Cain was a farmer and Abel was a shepherd. One day Cain brings his offering, the fruit offering from his farming to the Lord. And Abel brings the firstborn of the flock and their fat portions to the Lord. 
God favors Abel and his offering, but he does not favor Cain and his offering. And Cain gets very angry. So God asks Cain, he goes like, why are you so angry? Why has your countenance face fallen? We see a parallel here of God asking questions just like he asked Adam and Eve in the garden. I see God asking questions here in the story like a loving father. There is no rebuke here. He's like, hey Cain, why are you so angry? Why is your face fallen? Now, of course, God knew the answers to the questions, but he wanted Cain to know the answer to resist the pull towards vengeance and anger from within. Just like he asked me, what are you going to do with this anger, Noel? Then comes verse 7, where God says this to Cain. If you do what is right, will you not be accepted? But if you do not do what is right, then watch out. Sin is crouching at your door, and its desire is to have you, but you must rule over it. Now, firstly, God made it clear that if Cain did what was right, he would be accepted, which also means that Cain knew what was the right thing to do and he did not do it. God gives him a call and instruction to go and do the right thing to be accepted. Secondly, God gives him a caution by warning him against the destructive power of sin. The text presents sin like a predatory animal or a demonic presence that is waiting to pounce upon Cain. And then God gives him a command to rule over sin, to resist that predatory animal from ruling over him. Instead, he must rule over it. God lovingly presents Cain with a choice. He could have surrendered his anger, repented of his attitude, and made right with God. But Cain failed to follow God's caution. He let the wickedness of anger crouching at his door become his master, which led to a greater crime. He went on to murder his own brother. And then unfortunately, like his parents, he was driven out of the land. The cycle of sin, rebellion, and distance from God continues. When God spoke to Cain, he was making him aware of a spiritual reality. For Cain, it was all physical. He brings an offering, his brother brings an offering, God accepts one, God rejects one, he goes on, he kills his brother. But God says to him, if you do not do what is right, watch out, sin is crouching at your door. Friends, our choices have both a physical and a spiritual implication. Since the beginning, God has made it clear to his people that what he expects of them. He told Adam and Eve in the garden. He made it clear to Cain. He told the children of Israel to love and obey God. Love and obey him. Friends, in our journey of lives, on numerous occasions, we are going to be faced with the choice to choose the way of God or the way of the flesh. The way of God that leads to life and the way of flesh that leads to sin or death. God says three things to Cain that I'd like to unpack here today with us today. He says, firstly, do what is right. Second, watch out. And third, rule over sin. Scripture teaches us that so whoever knows the right thing to do and fails to do it, for him it is sin. Cain failed to do the right thing. Now in his case, we do not know what the right thing is, but we are sure that he did not do something that was right in God's eyes. And it's not just limited to his offering, it's to do with him as well. Verse 4 and 5 of this chapter tell us that God accepted Abel and his offering, and he did not accept Cain and his offering. The offering was linked to the posture of their hearts. One found favor and the other did not. 1 John 3.12 tells us this about Cain. 
And why did he murder his brother? Because his deeds were evil and his brother's righteous. Friends, in everything we do, we produce a fruit. And the fruit is the indication of the posture of our heart. Cain produced two types of fruit in the story. One, that was not acceptable to God. And two, the murder of his own brother. In Galatians 5, Paul tells us that our flesh and the Spirit of God are at constant war within us. And while the flesh is rebelling with the Spirit of God, we ought to fight it by keeping in step with the Spirit. He highlights what the flesh produces and what the Spirit of God produces. He says, now the works of the flesh are evident and he highlights things like idolatry, sensuality, division, strife of anger, enmity. And then he highlights the fruit of the Spirit, which is love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, gentleness, and self-control. Through the lens of these verses, we can see the type of fruit Abel produced and the type of fruit Cain produced. The reason behind Cain's anger was God's rejection, but the cure for God's rejection was in obedience. If Cain repented and rectified his mistake, he would be accepted. To present an offering that is pleasing to God, we need to be obedient to Him and His commands. 1 Samuel 15.22 says this, Obedience is better than sacrifice. And in context of that verse, it is referring to an animal sacrifice. A theologian said this about that verse, In sacrifice, we bring the flesh of another creature. In obedience, we bring our own will before God. Cain failed to bring his own will before God, his will to do contrary to what God had expected of him, his will to do evil. Now we may think that all our desires are great, are perfect, because they come from us, but unfortunately they're not. We can think that, but that is not true. At your workplace or in your life, what kind of fruit are you producing? And is that fruit producing life or death? Are you checking your motivations? Are you laying down your fleshly desires before God or are they taking over you? At my previous workplace, there was this colleague of mine who was quite negatively competitive. He wanted to do everything I did and he would like highlight my mistakes subtly, like bring them in conversations. And then one day, in front of me, he asked to lead my projects and me. And then the flesh of the work began in me. I started treating him the same way he was treating me. And during the peak days of COVID, I was officially called in by the head of department to apologize to him for the way I treated him. And I was told that if I did not apologize, there would be consequences. That day when I apologized, I was quite sad, not just because I had to apologize to him, but because I didn't even realize when I became that person. I looked at myself, things that were said about me, and I was like, I gave myself permission to do what is wrong to protect myself. But God is my protector. He's my shield. I have allowed sin in my life. I repented to God, went back to work, tried as hard as I could to be Christ-like, to do what is right, even when I was wrong, and then I fell sick and I had COVID. <laughs> I had to isolate for 10 days. When I went back to work, I discovered that colleague had resigned and left. In the span of 10 days, that colleague was asked to send an apology email to one of the seniors for something that went wrong. He tried to justify it. He got a warning. He didn't like it. He left. 
In my 10 days of isolation, I worked for the first six days, and the remaining four days I couldn't work because I was not well. So when I went back to work, I was just clearing my emails for the remaining four days. And in, that, in, those four, in those four days of email, I found this email from the HR saying, I've been awarded the Employee of the Quarter Award. And I was like, I should pick up more fights. <laughs> but that was also the year when I received the highest bonus in my career. And friends, I believe my repentance played a part in it. Because I made it right with God. You see, friends, <coughs> Cain made two mistakes. One, he did what was wrong. Second, he did not repent and rectify his mistake. As human beings, it is difficult to do what is right, especially when our pride, our flesh comes in the way. But we must remember that obedience is the true offering. It is, the offering, it is offering our will to God to do what is right in His sight, not in our own sight. And as long as we do that, we remain in Him and we remain alert and cautious. God says to Cain, watch out because sin is crouching at his door. The description of sin in Genesis 4-7 is quite striking. It is like this predatory animal. Peter reminds us, he warns us, he says, be sober-minded, be watchful. The adversary, the devil is prowling around like a roaring lion looking to devour someone. Sin is a reflection of the devil's intention for us. But his aim is not just to devour us, but to devour God's plans and purposes for our lives too. Sin has three impacts, vertical, horizontal, and then internal. Firstly, vertical. Sin is against God. It's an act of rebellion against Him. When David slept with Bathsheba in his repentance, he said, I have sinned against the Lord and Lord alone. When we sin, we defy God and His commands, we break His heart. And then there is a horizontal impact. David slept with Bathsheba and murdered her husband Uriah. Cain killed his, killed his own brother. And then there's an internal impact because it starts spreading within us. That sin inside Cain started spreading in him. He just didn't kill his brother, but he killed some of God's plan for his life too. James tells us that temptation comes from our own sinful desires which entice us and drag us away like that predatory animal. These desires give birth to sinful actions. When sin is allowed to grow, it gives birth to death. Satan tempts us by putting a hook in our sinful desires that are already there. There was something in Cain that was growing before he murdered his brother. He gave it room to grow till it became death. You know, we can be addicted to sinning and not even realize. We can repackage it, rebrand it in our self-righteousness and then bl sometimes blame others or situations. Now, I know people can be rough, but that is exactly why we've got to strive to live right in the eyes of God and not ban or ourselves because our own standards are flawed, but He is perfect. We need to stop looking in the mirror of our own self-righteousness and look in the mirror of God's character and command and the things that He calls us for. Because He's perfect, Scripture says, His percepts are right, bringing joy to the heart. His commands are radiant, bringing light to the eyes. When we remain in God, we remain in light. When we choose to not remain in Him, we come into darkness. I knew this person for whom I believe that God had great plans. But unfortunately, he couldn't resist the desires of his flesh. He had two main challenges, drugs 
and debt. He'd go through cycles of paying his loans and just when he would reach to the place of clearing his loans, he would take another one justifying his needs. Whenever he wanted to do something for his family or for himself, he wouldn't be able to do it because he would spend it in drugs. And one after the other choices led him to fall sick and he never recovered. He was way more gifted than me. He was my inspiration at one point in time. Have you ever tasted sin? It tastes good temporarily, but then comes the hangover. Billy Graham once said, oh yes, there's pleasure in sin for a short time, but then comes the hangover and you can do nothing about it. We tend to toy between the hangover of sin and sinning again because we get familiar with it, so we go back to it and hangover of sin and sinning again depleting ourselves. The aim of sin is to entice us and entangle us till we reach that place of death. That is exactly why we need to evaluate our choices and ask ourselves, is this from God or devil? The God of this age, the devil, repackages sin and presents it to our sinful desires and waits patiently prowling around for us to get hold of his and then he gets hold of us. Friends, Let's not allow the glamour of sin to blind us to the fatal consequences it carries. And that is exactly why God commanded Cain to rule over sin and that command applies to us as well. The key to this verse is in the end, but you must rule over it. Bring it under control. Master it. To rule over sin is to control our sinful desires so that we do not act on the temptations that come from within. Sin is like this magnet that attracts our sinful desires. If we master our sinful desires, we master sin. You see, the problem with sin is that if we don't control it, if we don't rule it, it will rule over us, and God knows that. The enemy's aim is to get all of our lives, but God's desire for us is to remove the stronghold of the enemy from the territories of our lives. And how do we do that? First and foremost, we come to Christ, the radiance of God's glory. Friends, if you were sitting here today, and if you do not know Jesus as your Lord and Savior, then I want to say this to you. He is true righteousness. He is the Son of the living God that came on this earth, lived a sinless life, died for our sins, and defeated Satan on the cross. And on the third day, he was risen from the dead. And by faith in him, we have the promise to spend eternity with the Father. Our sins are forgiven. We receive life and life abundantly in Him. He's the beginning of restoration and the answer to our salvation. If you're sitting here today, and if you do not know Christ as your Lord and Savior, then consider this to be an invitation from God the Father Himself to come to Him through His Son Christ, our Lord and Savior. Secondly, We've got to remain in a repentant posture. Scripture says, if we confess, confess our sins and ask for forgiveness, he is faithful and just and will cleanse us of all unrighteousness. Friends, God has made a way for us to come back to God through Christ. And part of our journey of being Christ-like is being renewed and restored every day. The enemy comes along the way and strike us and we can't be in the battlefield, be hit here and hit there and walk along. We've got to come back to Christ 
We've got to come back to God through Christ to find restoration and healing. And Christ does that for us, but it begins with repentance to be made whole and healed again. And thirdly, we've got to put on the full armor of God in Christ. Paul tells us in Ephesians 6 that our battles are not against the flesh and blood, that car that was driving between the two lanes, but the principalities and the powers and the spiritual forces of evil. He calls us to pull on the, put on the full armor of God. He says, stand your ground, putting on the belt of truth and the body armor of God's righteousness for shoes, put on the peace that comes from the gospel so that you will be ready. And he says, in addition to all of these, hold up the shield of faith to stop the fiery arrows of the devil. He says, put on salvation as your helmet and take the sword of the spirit, which is the word of God. And why do we put on the armor of God so that we will not be outwitted by the schemes of the enemy? When we put on the armor of God, friends, we put off the old self and put on the new self that is Christ, our righteousness. He makes us righteous. My wife and I, we love traveling. Usually we travel uh, every year in December. Last year we traveled to three countries. We are budget travelers. We live in Airbnbs or hotel apartments. We eat one meal outside and then we cook in our, air, our apartments. But our traveling can be hectic because we take um, cheap flights and all of that. <coughs> so we decided that the third country we would go to we would um, allocate that country to just spend some time in prayer and seek what God would have in store for us. Our flight to that country got delayed. When we reached there, we couldn't find any public transport. It was drizzling. I don't like drizzling. Either it should rain or it should not rain. <laughs> Shouldn't it drizzle? <laughs> and then my wife was getting frustrated of me because she thought I was being stingy and not ordering a cab. That is not true. <laughs> Anyways, we found public transport. We reached near the hotel apartment. From there, the maps showed that we had a three minutes walk to do. And because my wife was upset, she puts on the map, looks at me, and just starts walking. And now I was left with two large bags, two trolley bags, and two backpacks. <laughs> and the three minute walk was something like this. A cobblestone road that led to a spiraling staircase that went down, then up, then down, then up, then down, then a cobblestone road that led to the hotel apartment. And it was because it was drizzling, so I was holding the bag and I was slipping and I was like, I want to fling one of these bags at her and say something. <laughs> and that moment, <laughs> the Holy Spirit said to me, don't react, I'm doing something here. Anyways, we reached to the hotel apartment, beautiful building in the city center. I opened the door and guess what? There is no elevator. <laughs> and we chose to stay on the top floor to see the scenic view. And the staircase was broad enough to take one bag at a time. And my wife looks at me again and she goes like, huh, and she walks up. <laughs> and so I took one bag up at a time and then she's waiting for me to say something. And, I, and as I reached up with all the bags, she goes like, she was about to say something and I was like, don't react, God's doing something here. So we prayed, we put on the armor of God and felt peace. After a few minutes, we went out for a stroll and guess what? It was all dried up, the sun was shining. So my wife looks at me and she goes like, I'm sorry. She goes like, the enemy is such a dot, dot, dot. And I go like, but you treated me like a dot, dot, dot. <laughs> but here's the thing, friends. The Holy Spirit helped me in that moment to take over my fleshly desires to rule over sin and not react. So I could hear from God, and this is what he spoke to us, one of the things he said, just when you are 
close to a breakthrough, just when you're about to hear from me, the enemy is going to come and strike you the hardest, but take heart because I've overcome the world. Friends, in our battle against Satan, either we can be armed with the armor of God and rule over sin, or we can become a casualty to the flesh's desires. But there is no middle ground. It is interesting that when we disobey God and His commands, we become ignorant to the schemes of the enemy. But when we abide in Him, we remain alert and we can rule over sin. Scripture teaches us, it says, so humble yourselves before God, resist the devil and he will flee from you. I have to be honest with you, like Cain, I've lived, lived probably 80% of my life not realizing the consequences of my choices. Choices that had implications both physically and spiritually. And I've gone on to kill some of God's desires and plan for myself. But in His kindness, when I repented, He resurrected and restored some of those dreams and I've seen them come to pass. I've gone on this journey from abandoning some of God's promises for my life to almost abandoning, to now understanding the spiritual reality of things. And I still react, I still falter. But the Spirit of God helps me. Friends, today we are calling you to put on the armor of God every day. To die to sin every day. To live in Christ every day. To do what is right. To watch out and rule over sin. On the grand stage of this life, we're all fighting a spiritual battle. But we must decide now, will sin rule us or will we rule it? Remember friends, the choice is yours.